Chapter thirty five of Geographical Reader Europe by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Chapter thirty five Moscow Commercial and Manufacturing Russia. A day's ride from Warsaw has brought us to Moscow, the commercial capital of the great Russian Empire. The city stands right in the heart of European Russia on the navigable Moscow River which connects it with the oka and volga it has easy access by rail to the don Dnieper, and duena rivers and it is so situated that it is the chief railroad centre of russia it is in the most densely populated part of the empire and its situation especially fits it for the centre of russian manufacture and trade it has more than a thousand factories in and about it and the smokestacks rise here and there above the city rivaling in height the golden spires of its churches the factories employ more than a quarter of a million workmen and turn out a product worth several hundred million dollars per year a great quantity of goods of all kinds is required to supply the vast population of russia and the factories are rapidly growing in number there are now more than a hundred thousand in the empire and more are being built there are many cotton linen woolen and flour mills in russian poland there are factories of all kinds in st petersburg and also in odessa and along the volga river while there are many little silk mills in the caucasus mountains not far south of moscow is tula the sheffield of russia where are the great gun factories which supply the russian army and enormous railroad shops and works for making knives tools and machinery in moscow there are vast cotton mills sugar mills and establishments which turn out almost everything made of wood iron and steel the chief workshops of russia however are in the homes of the people the product made there annually amounting in value to more than five hundred million dollars six-sevenths of all the goods made are the result of such house industry for the peasants are everywhere working at their trades in their homes nearly every russian village has its specialty in some the people spin yarn and weave cloth and in others they make boots and shoes there are towns along the volga which turn out fine axes and knives just outside moscow is a village whose people are noted for beating gold leaf while near tula there are two thousand people who work away in their little houses making accordions in southern russia rugs and carpets as beautiful as those of india and turkey are woven by hand and in central russia there are many thousands who paint icons or pictures of saints such as we have seen in the houses and stores with candles and incense burning below them these icons are cut out of plates of carved gold silver or brass only the faces being painted they are of all sizes and prices from little ones no bigger than a watch which sell for a few cents up to some as big as a barn door worth thousands of dollars there are stores in moscow which sell nothing else and we can find icon stores in all the large cities there are some villages in russia where the people make a business of raising canaries for sale and some where they raise cats for their skins the cats bring five or ten cents apiece they are bought by traveling merchants who ship their skins to the fur markets of the empire in other villages pigeons are bred for their skins which are cured with the feathers on and sold at the fairs to be exported to all parts of europe and our country for decorating ladies hats 
and lining fine cloaks you have all heard of russian leather it is prized everywhere for pocket-books valises slippers and book bindings it has a delightful odor from the birch bark employed by the tanners much of it is made in small tanneries and there are hundreds of thousands engaged at their homes making various articles from it both for export and for sale to the russians in some parts of the empire the women wear high boots of soft leather and every russian man who can afford it has at least one pair of boots which come up to his knees there are thousands of women who knit beautiful lace and russian velvets are noted all over europe the russians are skillful in making all sorts of things and some day when machinery has taken the place of hand labor they will be one of the greatest of the manufacturing nations the empire has vast deposits of gold and silver and of coal iron and copper it has more wood than any other european country it raises quantities of wool and flax and tobacco and also in asia a great deal of cotton so that it has all the materials for a great manufacturing country until a few years ago the most of the russian peasants were practically in slavery and all sorts of work were done in the rudest way now the people are introducing modern inventions and they are establishing large factories with the finest machinery they are opening up their minds both in europe and asia the government is encouraging improved methods of farming and the education of the people has begun they are rapidly growing in intelligence and wealth and they will continue to grow many believe that the two greatest nations of the world of the future will be the russians and the americans but let us take a stroll through the business sections of moscow we shall find them different from those of the other great cities we have seen for russia is in some respects more like asia than europe or the united states here we are in one of the great bazaars which we find in all russian cities it is a vast building covering many acres filled with all sorts of shops opening out into covered corridors or arcades so that there are hundreds upon hundreds of stores under one roof this one bazaar has twelve hundred stores it is a whole town of stores roofed over and the stores are of all kinds so that you can buy anything you want from a slate pencil to a sealskin coat or from a toothpick to a set of furniture there are jewelry shops and clothing stores stores selling leather goods and stores which deal only in pictures and books we wander through one arcaded street after another past beautiful things of all kinds and some of great value realizing as we do so that russia must have a large class of rich people to buy goods so very expensive we are also surprised at the way they do business when we attempt to purchase the merchant usually charges us more than he expects to receive and we must bargain with him if we would pay only a fair price the result is that we offset his price by an offer of much less whereupon he comes down a little we then go up a few cents and if we hold out we at last get it perhaps for what we are willing to give the business hours in the bazaars are from nine in the morning until five in the afternoon we visit them one day about shutting up time and watch the merchants lock up for the night each store facing the street has windows and doors which are closed tight and then fastened with padlocks the merchant turns the key and then ties the padlock to the staple sealing the two ends of the string with hot wax into which he presses his stamp so that the store cannot possibly be opened without breaking the seal 
he then stands in front of the closed doors and crosses himself saying a prayer before he leaves for the night he will probably say another when he opens his shop in the morning outside the bazaars there are many stores scattered over the city some of which have curious signs they have pictures painted on the walls facing the street which show what articles are sold within so that those who cannot read may understand from the pictures take for instance that barber sign over there on the opposite side of the street the whole wall of the shop is covered with it one part of it represents a man in his shirt sleeves shaving a customer while opposite him is a lady holding out her arm from which a stream of blood is spouting while a man stands beside her with a knife in his hand farther down in the picture sits a boy having a tooth pulled and the whole sign shows us that the man within is not only a barber but a dentist and surgeon as well that store farther on is a feed store there is a bundle of hay in the doorway and on the walls at the sides are pictures of horses and cows feeding and grazing the tea signs represent chinamen sipping tea while the dairy signs are pictures of cows with maids milking them we visit the markets before going back to our hotel they are of enormous extent and are filled with the finest of game meats fish and vegetables the better class russians are noted for their extravagant living and the markets of st petersburg and moscow are as good as those of any other european city fish may be bought alive they are kept in stone vats of running water each filled with its own kind of fish in the dining rooms of some of the great restaurants there are marble fountains with fishes swimming about in them you can point out the fish you want for your supper and the waiter will catch it in a net and cook it for you and i am sure you will say it is the best fish you ever ate russia is noted for fine fish and it exports quantities of fish and fish eggs every year the volga the caspian sea and the black sea have rich fishing grounds and there are fisheries along the arctic ocean and the baltic sea in the markets we see cans buckets and tubs of caviar this is a russian dainty made of the roe of the sturgeon caviar looks like bird shot but it is in reality the eggs of the sturgeon which are eaten in great quantities by the people throughout russia the fresh caviar is the best but a great deal of it is canned and thus sold all over the world after the eggs have been removed the sturgeon meat is salted and you can buy it in the market at about ten cents a pound there are also stalls where only dried fish is sold this is eaten by the people everywhere and it forms a part of the diet of the peasants the queerest market sites are those of the winter when almost everything is sold in a frozen state the russian winter is so cold that fish and meats can easily be kept frozen for months the butcher can lay away his beef mutton and chickens in october and bring them forth at any time during the winter the meats are frozen so hard that a knife will not cut them and they have to be sawed or chopped up with an axe when it is said splinters of meat fly about in every direction and the beggars collect them and take them off home leaving the markets we go back to our hotel it is an enormous structure having a dining room so large that a thousand people can be seated in it at one time the food is excellent and we find that we can live as well in moscow as in any other city we have visited the customs of eating however are different from those of the other european countries the first thing the russian does upon entering the dining room 
is to go to a lunch counter which is always found at one side of the room where vodka a russian liquor and such relishes as caviar raw herring smoked salmon radishes butter and cheese are laid out he drinks a small glass of the vodka and eats a bit of a relish while standing and then goes and takes his seat for dinner the first thing that is served at a regular dinner is soup and we find the ordinary dish of russian soup almost a whole meal one of the most popular kinds is known as stitchy sneeze hard and you will get the right pronunciation stitchy is made of cabbage and beef to which is often added a bowl of sour cream each plateful of the soup has a big chunk of beef in the middle and we are expected first to eat the soup and then to cut up the beef and eat it there are other soups of all kinds hot and cold there is even iced soup as we discover when we lunch one day at a restaurant we cannot read russian and point to the odd letters where the word soup should be on the bill of fare and ask the waiter for that he goes to the kitchen and brings a great bowl of white liquid with a piece of ice as big as his fist floating about in it we try it it tastes like iced vinegar and one taste is enough after the soup meat and vegetables of various kinds are brought on and then most delicious desserts the russian bread and butter at the better hotels is always good leaving the markets we take droskies and ride about moscow it is built upon the hills and hollows which here line the winding moscow river it is twenty-five miles in circumference and the shortest car line from one side of it to the other is nine miles long in the very centre of the city is a great fortress or citadel known as the kremlin which contains the old palace of the czar several famous russian churches the cathedral in which the emperors of russia are crowned and the tall tower of ivan the great the tower is five stories high and its golden dome seems to float in the air away up there three hundred feet above the ground there is a stairway in it and we climb up four hundred and fifty steps to the top for a view of the city we are hanging over a vast expanse of trees and houses out of which rise the golden spires and domes of hundreds of churches there are thousands of green trees the roofs of the houses are all painted green while some of the church domes are of sky blue spotted with stars of gold on the opposite side of the river we can see the golden dome of the church of our saviour and beyond the city the smokestacks of the factories while just under us is the great triangular walled space known as the kremlin it is paved with cobblestones and its massive wall is entered by five gates each of which has a history there is the one through which we came it is called the gate of the redeemer on account of a picture of the saviour above it and every one from the czar to the peasant takes off his hat to that picture as he goes through every inch of land within the walls of the kremlin is historic and sacred in the church below us all the czars of russia have been crowned and there to the left is the imperial treasury where are the jewels and the costly plate belonging to the russian crown there are hundreds of millions of dollars worth of gold and precious stones in that building there are basins of gold as big as a foot bath some of the world's greatest diamonds and two tables of solid silver as we go down from the tower of ivan the great we pass the many bells for which it is noted russia is a land of bells and there are said to be two thousand in moscow alone the largest bell that rings 
so large that you cannot get it into an ordinary parlor hangs within the tower and there are others some of which are made of solid silver but of smaller size as we come out of the tower we see at its foot on a pedestal of stone the biggest bell ever made it is as tall as a two-story house is fifty-five feet in circumference and two feet in thickness a piece taller than a man is broken out of its side and when we climb up and crawl into the hole where this piece once was we are in a great tent of bronze this bell was first cast in the sixteenth century and was hung in ivan's tower the tower burned and when the bell fell it was broken in pieces it was cast again in a larger size but when the metal was still molten the women of moscow in a religious frenzy threw their jewelry into the mass and this rendered it so imperfect that when it was rung a great piece broke out of its side then there was another fire and the bell fell once more never to rise again from the kremlin we visit the great church of our saviour built to commemorate the deliverance of moscow when the french soldiers under napoleon invaded the country the church cost about forty million dollars or about three times as much as our capital at washington later on we spend some time in the moscow university which was founded by peter the great and which is now several thousand students we next drive out to the people's park and enjoy ourselves with the russian children in the roller coasters and merry-go-rounds we listen to the open-air concerts and drink our tea under the trees we find that the russians are fond of enjoyment and pleasure they have shows of all kinds and their musicians are among the best of the world End of chapter 35